Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Lang Up podcast. Two podcasts this week. Special treat as we are joined for the second time. Uh, Justin Thomas, PGA Tour winner. Uh, I think it's almost exactly a year since we uh, did our first podcast together last year. Justin, how much has, what, what has changed the most in your life since we last spoke? Um, man, it's hard to believe that was a, a year ago. I know. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I would say a lot's changed. It, it went by a lot fast, but obviously um, it's nice being able to hear you say a PGA Tour winner before my <laughs> name instead of uh, just a rookie on the PGA Tour. That's probably the, one of the, <laughs> the biggest things, but um but yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a fun run. Did it, did it feel kind of ridiculous that people like even even to me it kind of felt like oh, I finally won at the age of twenty two. Did you feel? I feel like even for yourself, you were like oh, I need to get this first win. Did you start feeling pressure to get a win? Yeah, I I, I kind of I don't know if it was as much pressure, but it was just like um, I was just anxious. I was ready. I was. Uh, I mean, the media doesn't help anything when every single time you're in contention, they're asking, you know, is this going to, are you finally going to win? It's like, you know, it's, it's my first year on tour. It's not like I've had that many chances. Um, I understand I was fortunate enough to, to put myself in there to have a lot of chances. But, um, but yeah, I think, and I thought the same thing. I mean, after I won, I was like, ah, oh, finally, you know, it's been hoping this was going to come for so long now. And then it's funny if I sit back and look at it, it's like, you know, there's, there's not very many people that have won tour events younger than I was, so I think when I think of it that way, it kind of uh, not not so much calms me down, but makes me feel a little bit better about it. Did you feel like after winning that the floodgates would open up and that that, that releasing that burden uh, would would open up to even better play? Yeah, I thought so. I I, I would have loved for. I mean, I'm never going to complain about winning i would have loved for it to be you know something like this time of year as opposed to i won and then i had two more events and then i had a month and a half off you know it's like i couldn't really ride that momentum into much um it was uh it was tough and and obviously a pretty pretty poor start to this year but i just felt every time i've been in contention this year i've felt so comfortable and i just felt like i belong there and i think that's uh it's just because of last year in malaysia yeah, I mean, I think when you hit the ball in the water on was it fourteen on Sunday in Malaysia? Did you mm-hmm. your your response to that seemed like a turning of the corner, right? I mean, you, you've had your close calls, you've had your tough yeah. Sundays, but that was you. You, I think it was the next one was the par three, right? You almost mm-hmm. aced it, and then you birdie sixteen as well, I think. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I mean, did that? Did that? What was your reaction to that? Any different based on the experience you had to that point? I think it was a little bit, but I think the biggest thing for me is I was playing so good, and it was just, I mean, it honestly was comical, because it was like I had total control of the tournament, I just hold hold out a bunker shot, I think, to go up, I think it was to go up one, um, and had a wedge in my hand, which I feel like my wedge game was good, and I'm like, I got a great chance to go up two here, and I have four birdie holes coming in, and or three birdie holes, and and just absolutely laid the sod over it in the fairway when we're playing ball in hand. Like it was, <laughs> it just was. I couldn't have 
really imagine anything worse happening, but um, it was kind of good. I mean, I just laughed it off, and, you know, I was like, I had total control of this tournament before this hole, and I, I felt like I was playing so good to where if I, you know, kept hitting it well, I had four holes left to make four birdies, and, uh, you know, to do it on 15, 16, 17 right after that double was pretty pretty nice to give myself a little one-shot cushion coming up 18. I was proud of you, too, for going for 18 and 2, even though you didn't need to. Pardon no, me. I mean, I'm never, why, why would I lay out? Like I, make it, I could go for the green, make the three, win by three, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was never a question. So you're coming off a third-place finish at the Players last weekend, mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, you're characterized as a bomber, and Sawgrass is not the biggest bomber's paradise, I wouldn't say. You finished tied for 25th there last year, but had a final round 75. You Were were you in the final group last year on Sunday, or I was second in, last? I think I was either in second to last or third to last okay. group. I mean, I was two back or something going into Sunday. So there's clearly something about Sawgrass that fits your eye. What is it? Yeah, I love it. I, it's my favorite course we play all year when really? it gets in that tournament condition. I'd say, yeah, it's just, it's... It's um, it's such a great course. It's it, you just have to be playing well. It's really the only way you can describe it. You have to work it both ways. There's, I feel like a lot of holes you have to work it one way off the tee and then work it another way into the green. You just have to be patient. But um, I think the thing I like the most about it is that you can really just make up so much ground. It's it's a place to where if you're not hitting it well, it's tough to shoot under par. But if you're hitting it well, you're hitting the fairways, you can make a lot of birdies out there. It's You can. And uh, it's fun to me going on to courses like that, you know, where if you're like I was last year, I made the cut by, you know, one or something like that and shoot seven under on Saturday. And next thing you know, I'm two back going into Sunday. And I think courses that are made like that uh, are fun. We don't get to do it too often, but it's uh, it's enjoyable to play. Well, that being said, with the fun conditions, what did you, uh, without without trying to fall into the stereotypical PGA Tour player of complaining about setup, what did you think about the, what happened on Saturday? It was. I really did not think it was that bad. I yeah. didn't tell anybody I thought it was bad. It was. It was difficult. Obviously, it was very hard. But you don't get a sixty-seven, a five under, and a seven under if the course is unfair. I'm sorry, you just yeah. don't. Uh, I, I think. I definitely think that it got a little, probably a little bit more extreme than they would have liked yeah. or than it could have been. But you, I mean, it's like I said before, if you're hitting it good and you're putting in the fairway and on the greens, it was, um, you could score. I think the thing that people were not really noticing is how windy it was. I mean, it was blowing 15 or 20. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, it's tough to putt on greens that are rolling 11 when it's 15 or 20 mile an hour wind, let alone 13. So, um, the wind, I think, is something that they weren't expecting to where they could have probably wouldn't have gotten the greens like that. But it was, um, I mean, it's still produced a great tournament and um, made for a little bit of excitement. So I was, I was okay with it. So you're telling me the greens weren't running or 16 or 17 or whatever I saw no. some <laughs> someplace. I mean, if you got them downhill, the ball it was it was a little bit, yeah, a little bit kind of dumb or extreme to where the ball just wouldn't stop rolling. But um, I mean, I had my best putting day on Saturday. I, I mean, I probably gained three shots, I think, on the field putting, and I putted really well, but I just had my speed down. So it was, um, if you had that and you kept it on the right side of the hole where you were at least putting uphill, because if you got above the hole and you missed, the ball was going to go four, five, six feet past. So um, it was uh, it was a little different, but it was difficult. It was, uh, you know, we don't have days like that very often. Sometimes it's fun, sometimes it isn't. Yeah, and part of that is, you know, the test that a golfer needs to go yeah. through as well. So, mm-hmm. um, 
I didn't, I didn't get to watch a lot of it, but I just was reading the reaction, and it sounded it sounded really bad, and it made me nervous for the U.S. Open. And I, we'll talk about Oakmont here in a little bit, but um, what is? I, I, you shot final round sixty five. I don't know how many people you leapfrogged on Sunday, but is that the best way to finish third in a tournament? Like you weren't in, you were not. You're not saying you weren't in contention, but you weren't thinking about winning. Oh, probably I was not in contention at all. That's okay, the, that's the funny thing about it is like. And not to ever bash on anybody else, but there's there's no there's pretty much nobody worse when you finish and you're two back of the lead and have still feel like you have zero chance of winning. You know, it's like you know Jason Day going to the back nine of Sawgrass is just not going to give up a two shot lead, and it's just just close enough to tease me and make me watch the rest of the day. When in the back of my mind, I knew that he wasn't going to fall back and, yeah. and just kept watching him making putts. But um, so that was one thing to where. Yeah, I it ended up being what I thought and how I didn't have a chance to win, but it was. I've been I felt like I've been really close to playing well for about a month or so now, and um, and it was nice to kind of end that those two weeks I just had right there on a on a really good round and, and a good finish in a great tournament. Yeah, I mean, I have, a, I have a series of questions about a change you made, and then it looks like a change you made back, and I want to be careful in how I ask it because. I don't think um, like fans or you know even media people really have, are mm-hmm. in a position to critique players' decision making about changes they make in their game. There's no way me sitting mm-hmm. here I can understand what feels good to you putting um, and can can criticize you for a change you make in your putting. But I was very I guess confused is the word I would say that you switched to cross-handed putting after mm-hmm. finishing T3 at the Fries and winning the CIMB. I don't remember exactly when you made the change, but what, first question is, what was the reasoning behind making that change? Well, the biggest thing for me is set up, and I've always had to do a lot of manipulating in my setup when, I, um, when I'm when i conventional, and I, I've just, I get a little open, and my stroke kind of gets, it, when I'm not putting well, it gets wipey, and I went back and forth from cross-handed and not cross-handed, through college so really wasn't a change that was uncomfortable for me i mean i've practiced putting cross-handed to to make to kind of get that square feeling so it's not like i was you know going someone going from the belly putter to a standard putter you know it was was a pretty easy change and um i putted really poorly the last two events uh, in the fall and and then taking time off you know you are not touching a club for a week week and a half just because you've been playing so much golf and when I just got back playing again, I just man, I was putting so bad, and my stroke was just terrible, and I couldn't, I couldn't get the ball online, and I just had to do so much work to try to get the ball to start online, where I couldn't repeat it, and I was just my dad, and my putting coach Matt Killen were down here, and we were working on stuff, and it was just like, you know, it's so good cross-handed, like my stroke and everything. Why don't I just stick with that and work on that because it was a lot more comfortable, so. I went to that and I and I putted well, and I just um, I mean my good putting days were obviously good, but my bad putting days weren't very good um, in the past conventionally. So I felt like it was something if I practiced cross-handed, I could uh, I could get it down, and I just it wasn't helping that it was I wasn't hitting it as good either when I was doing it cross-handed. It was just uh, pretty much just bad all around, so that wasn't making it look any better. Yeah. So I mean, was the players your first event switching back to putting conventional? It was, yeah, because I couldn't putt it into the ocean in Charlotte, and I, I was hitting it pretty good, and I, I couldn't, I mean, I made like two or three birdies in 36 holes, which for me is pretty absurd, and um, yeah, I just, I went back to it because I felt like, and Jimmy and I both kind of said it, and my caddy, and 
I just uh, started putting, and it was rolling, rolling better, and I was hitting more solid putts. And I think from being cross-handed for that long, my setup was a lot better, just from kind of being used to my elbows and my shoulders in those positions. And um, and yeah, I had one of the better putting weeks I've had in a while. Good. All right. Well, I'm on board with the with you switching back. <laughs> I know that I, I, I. It's a really good answer. I knew there was a lot more to it. I mean, I knew yeah. it, it was just curious because we basically. I mean, yeah, you played HSBC in China and you played the uh, McGladry, uh, but we cut. We, yeah, we don't see you for like a month or month and a half, and you just kind yeah. of assume that a player's game can roll right into the next year. So yeah. it was a curious change, and I didn't know if. Uh, I mean, the, some of the dumb things you read online, like Rory switching to the crosshand, you switching the crosshand, like, is it because of Spieth was some of the things that I was hearing. I know. It uh, was pretty did, funny when people said that. I you, was like, if... You got that too? Oh, yeah. People would say that. And, I mean, obviously, some were joking, some were serious. And it's like, look, if, it, if we didn't think it was going to help us, we obviously wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> uh, all right. So back to the players. You finished T3. Uh, I think you got about $500,000 paycheck. What is what's a celebration like on a Sunday night after uh, like a, a finish like that where you make that much money? It's um I don't know. I mean it's it's different, but it's um I, I'm not I'm I'm, to, uh, I'm not asking like was it a wild party? I'm just saying like is there a, a great sense of accomplishment at the end of that day? Yeah, it, it is. It's it was just more a sense of accomplishment for me to playing well in the tournament again because I've struggled in 2016 so to be back in contention or to to be back with my name at the top of the leaderboard in a big event like that was more satisfying to me and I've never really been one to look at the money I mean obviously it's there and I see at the end of the week what I make and that's that's great but I feel like over the course of a long career I would like to think and hope that money's not really going to be an issue at all and I'm just more worried about trying to rack up wins and and uh, major championships, but it's just, um, it is nice, though, <laughs> especially yeah. when you haven't been playing well, and, you know, you get to um, hang out and celebrate a little bit with some of your boys on a good week, so um, it, it was definitely uh, a little bit satisfying, for sure. Did you go out with the big gravy after that? The big gravy had to go back to Dallas. Wow. Uh, he, he had to go go there and get ready for, for, um, for the Byron this week, so gotcha. unfortunately, he was not there. Uh, random side question. Uh, how do you pay your caddy? How do I pay him? Yeah. Like, how do you, how does the money get to him? Is it just taken out of your bank account? I was just always curious about that. How do yeah, you... it's, I mean, everyone does it differently. I mean, I'll write him a check sometimes. Yeah. So you usually just write a check and just send it to him or give it to him, whichever one. Okay. I don't know. I, just, mm-hmm. I never knew if, like, a manager handled that or if it was, like, a direct Everyone's deposit. different. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is, like... It's everybody's different. It's not just a wad of cash that you take out of your bag at the yeah, end on just Sunday. Pull out a rubber band, undo it, <laughs> skip it to him. Yeah. So, um, what is I guess the the uh, the fallout from the players? What means the most to you from it? It doesn't sound like it's the money. That was going to be like my first option though. But is it the money, the FedEx Cup points, the confidence, the the World Golf Ranking points, Ryder Cup points? Like what is what do you, what do you what is your the, the strongest the biggest takeaway you have from the week? I would say just, just um, probably, no offense, but nothing that you said. <laughs> um, just getting my name up there again. I, yeah. I think I was, you know, I had those four or five weeks where I was in the premier pairings, and it felt pretty cool. And um, it, like anything in in this sport, when you're not playing well, uh, you get forgotten pretty easily, and, and you kind of get not pushed aside, but you're just kind of another player. And I, not that the people I, playing, I was playing with were, you know, not premier players, but you know what I'm saying? It wasn't yeah. in those those TV pairings and right. 
around uh, you know the the best player world ranking wise in the tournaments, and um, it was just nice to kind of get my name back out there again and, and you know show people that I felt like I was playing well, but and not not playing so much for the people, but myself as well. It's just nice to kind of know that um, all the hard work and and everything I've been putting the last couple months and and feeling like I was getting close was uh, was there and and definitely moving up in the world ranking and uh, and Ryder Cup was a bonus as well. Yeah. How uh, I, I guess yeah I was gonna note how it seemed like you you had taken the leap up into that upper echelon and you were in PGA Tour live uh, almost every week like I, I was I was getting sick of watching you play golf to be honest you're on the TV so much but like did it did it did that kind of have an effect on you um, in the way you play did you think that contributed to what you would call struggling to the, at the start of the year. I don't think so. I think it was just my, maybe my lack of preparation or my, um, it just, and honestly, I just was playing bad. I mean, I wasn't, I, I didn't feel like I was doing much differently than I was the year before. I think I, I didn't put as much work in this off season as I should have. And, um, I think that kind of got me off to a little bit slower start, but I, I mean, I was doing all the normal stuff I was doing the weeks before the, the during the weeks and I just I just wasn't performing I was just playing poorly and I think that was more so than anything I, I would say that was it I mean I had a couple of weeks where my my back and my um my shoulder were hurting me a little bit and I felt like that kind of set me back but I uh, I'm glad to kind of be back and, and everything's been really good the last couple months body feeling wise and um and been playing better yeah I want you to be honest when I ask, how, how upset do you get when you think about the fact that you're third at the Fries and your Malaysia win don't count at all towards Ryder Cup points? Uh, it's, it sucks. It really does. <laughs> it's, I, I mean, I understand that it is what it is, and I feel like, you know, especially with kids having such a good fall, too, like the, those guys know what what we did, and I know both kids and I uh, would like to not even have to worry about being upset that our points didn't count um i mean obviously it's a bummer but there's nothing we can do and yeah. i would like to hope and think that i could play well enough the rest of the summer to where it's not going to matter but yeah it is a bummer you know it, they're they're seasonal events and um they're big events and for them to not count is uh is unfortunate but there's not a whole lot we can do, and it is what it is, I guess. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to me. Like, the 2015 Masters counts in Ryder Cup points, but a, an event, like, six months later in the fall, way closer mm-hmm. to the event, doesn't count at all. But, I mean, yeah. I think it, it just really, the, the system uh, really does not benefit the young guys in that it, it, it's specifically designed for the older guys, right? I mean, not a lot of rookies get captain's picks in the Ryder Cup. I, I, I don't have a list in front of me, but it doesn't seem like a very common thing at all, so... Um, so, and not a lot of, not a lot of vets play those events in the fall. So it's just kind of almost like a protector, uh, of the vets that, a uh, protector of the, of the ranking spots, the other guys that get in on the, on the rankings and it just makes it so much harder for a young guy like yourself or a burger or any, anybody mm-hmm. like that to really break through. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's different, but at the same time, like, you know, like I was saying, if we, if we do what we feel like we should during this this time of the year, then it, uh, it shouldn't be an issue. And also, those guys know what we're doing. They, they yeah. those captains and assistant captains, they they've seen what we've done. And um, and I honestly haven't looked at the points standings once this entire year, just because I'm not. I'm trying to just block it out and play my own game. And um, it's it seems like it's you know get everyone gets wrapped up in it. But uh, at the end of the day, the right team will be chosen, and uh, hopefully, we'll be. We'll be uh, doing one well in the Ryder Cup. 
Yeah, and that's that's what I've kind of the only th- the only way I've come to peace with it is that uh, I don't think the points will what be what keeps you from the team. You know, like if you're if you're close enough on points where you know the win would have put you over, I think you're at the top of the list for captain's pick consideration anyway. So, um, so that that's my that's my only comfort from my from my. Well, hey, well, I'm glad that you think that at least. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I'm tight with Davis Love, so yeah, he's that's the insight <laughs> I've gotten. So, <laughs> uh, to be honest, when you won, I, I like I knew it didn't count for points, but it seemed like an afterthought. I was just like, oh, he's good. He's gonna be on the Ryder Cup team. He's, <laughs> I'm, I'm so confident you're gonna be because uh, especially after what we saw last weekend at Players, but. Um, right after the players, you and uh, some of your boys shot off to Oakmont. Uh, what is mm-hmm. what's your, I guess, initial initial reaction? I got to say, I'm a little concerned. I think every Snapchat I saw from your of your approach shots, you were at least one fairway left of the hole that you were playing. Yes. Um, well, for some reason, Ricky or Smiley never really decided to Snapchat when I was in the fairway, my own fairway. <laughs> And, um, yeah, I, you know, I was playing nice on that front nine, and then we stopped, and I had two hot dogs and a cookie, and it really seemed to get to me, and I, uh, I had a little case of the lefts on the back nine, I'll, I will say. You eat hot dogs at the turn? You're like you're like one of us. Yeah, well, it was nice. We were playing an outing, and it was, uh, and we were all hungry, so we literally sat down for 20 minutes and had lunch, and I got up, and it just, it, uh, it took a little bit out of me. It, but, yeah, it was... <laughs> I got a couple comments on that. It was, you know, I was just getting those those mud balls off the tee to win the switch in, and uh, it was unfortunate. If Gary Player heard you say that you ate two hot dogs at the turn, he would he would choke you. But um, I guess so. It, it, from what I saw in the Snapchats, uh, I looked like you guys are aiming four feet right at the cup on eight foot putts. Are those? Is that your first time playing Oakmont? First of all, I played about five years ago. Okay, uh, is it like in close to U.S. Open shape at this point? It's good. It's not near as firm and fast as they would like. Yeah. They got in rain before we gone, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it could be interesting. I mean, is it are the are the greens as treacherous as as what I think they are? Like, I'm scared, and I'm gonna watch it from like five thousand miles away. It's uh, they're they're so hard. They really are. It's um, it depends on how it's set up, but it, it could be a total just total complete survival week. Um, but I, I can't imagine a setup where under par wins. I really don't. Wow. Um, but it's just, man, it's just a hard course. It's it's a great U.S. Open course, and it's um, it was uh, it was funny. I played with Adam Scott on Sunday at the Players, and we're just kind of talking. And he was saying, last time the Open was there, I think it was '07, and he was like, you know, I've been playing well. I was in the final group at FedEx. He played St. Jude the week before, and he was playing really well. And he um, he was in the final group. going. He was leading by two going into Sunday, and he didn't play well Sunday and finished second. But, he, I mean, so obviously he's playing really well. He's leading the tournament. Goes into the U.S. Open the next week and hits six greens in regulation and 36 holes. Six greens? Six. And I, I felt bad. I started laughing. I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not laughing at you. I was like, but I've never heard of someone that hits it as good as you do hitting six greens. He was like, I just hit in the rough. I couldn't get to the green. He's, it's just. Is it it's, fun? Um, Is it a fun course? It depends on how you're playing. <laughs> There's a lot of U.S. Opens that aren't very fun, I think. <laughs> but um, it's, yeah, I mean, you're going to see some serious numbers put up out there, I think. I really do think. And I don't. I hope that I'm not one of them. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a bear. 
Well, what kind of player do you think will, will succeed there? I mean, I, I see a lot of people that are, are, are clamoring for Spieth. They think that the tough setup sets up really well for him. But, I mean, obviously the U.S. Open is supposed to test the, like, the most well-rounded player. But what do you see being the, like, the biggest key? Yeah, it's, it's always funny to me, too. And, you know, guys are like, oh, this place is perfect for Spieth. This place is perfect for Jason Day. It's like, well, and I would like to think the same about myself. It's like, well, if you look at their games, they kind of do it all well, and there's a reason they're top-ranked in the world. It's because they're pretty good at everything. So when they're playing well, it's not like you can say any course is bad for them, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, I think it's going to be it's it's going to be someone who I think drives it well. You can't drive it poorly there that week and um, and make very many birdies. But at the same time, it's just going to be whoever scrambles the best it is. And yeah. you got to be making a lot of par putts, a lot of par saves, chipping, putting well. And, um, I mean, it's, you know, it's your typical U.S. Open. You're just going to have to survive. And whoever uh, survives the best is going to get it done. Yeah, I, I remember when we talked last time, I asked you if you had specific goals for 2015, and you said you did. Um, you, were, you don't really you, you don't really say them out loud, just because you know the media can kind of run with that. But so, at risk of asking something along those lines, like, uh, do you have like in in mind kind of what you think like your ceiling is? I I want to know like if you, when you're walking down the range, do you look at Jason Day hitting balls and are like that guy is way more talented than me? Or do you think, like, that's going to be me in five years? No, I don't. I think I've gone through the first couple months this year thinking like that, which is not like me, and it's not what I should be like. I think I I was out there playing thinking that I wasn't as good as everybody else, and I just kind of spoke to how poorly I was playing and um, and where I was mentally. But, uh, yeah, I I mean, my ceilings are about as high as, as anybody could imagine, and I'm sure any top player in the world would would have theirs and um i mean i feel like i can do some pretty pretty special things over the course of my career in this game but it's just a matter of uh of managing it well and and putting in the preparation each week and each year and i think if i just get get better each year which is i know it's tough to say and there's not many people that have played that can honestly say that i think um then i can uh then i can you know i could make a pretty long run at this yeah, if you, I mean, if you were to bar, like, I, I look at your game, I don't see any any glaring weaknesses at all. But if you're looking, if you could steal any talent, like one, like Jason Day's driver, Rory's driver, or Spieth's putter, if you could steal anything from one other player, what would you steal? I mean, you can't argue against the whoever's going to putt the best. You, you can't ever be, you can never miss a cut, or you can never really be out of contention if you're hitting it somewhat decent, if you're putting it the best. So it's, right. it's kind of hard to argue, at least for someone like me. I think for someone, you know, you take someone like Big Gravy, he's going to take DJ's driving over anybody, yeah. over anything, because for him to be able to hit 9-iron into a hole, he's usually hitting 5-iron. That's a pretty big advantage. So, yeah. but, um, but I mean, me, like, if I could, if you know, if I... If you're trading off like like overall game, I asked Max Homa the question, and he said he would take uh, Ricky's head and Ricky's ability to like bounce back from a bogey or just seem completely unfazed. This was this was right after I think right either right before or right after the Phoenix Open, which he was I mean, he was playing really well at the time. But yeah. I found that interesting uh, answer to be really interesting. I mean, I'm sure there's yeah. a lot of mental aspect to it. But so you're saying like would it be Speed's putter or is there a, some, like Stricker's putter? I guess so. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'd say. Um... 
I mean, Ricky puts it great. Jimmy Walker puts it great. Speed puts it great. I mean, that's I would I think I put it great, but yeah. statistically, they're all ahead of me. So, um, I'll say whoever's highest the last five years. That's okay. <laughs> do you? I don't remember if I asked you this last year. Do you get into like the stats, like strokes gain and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I look at it just because yeah. it, it's pretty easy to know what you need to get better at yeah. by looking at it. Actually, I was looking at it this morning. Yeah, it's good. I think it's good, very good information. I found it interesting when I talked to Billy Horschel. He said he hates strokes gain tee to green because it doesn't give him any information. I was I was quite confused by that because I think that gives you a ton of information about how you're hitting it. Yeah, it's a blended stat and it kind of reflects yeah. a lot a lot of your game. But I think it is very helpful. But um, it seems have we? I'm surprised it's not caught on more that. Uh, I mean, I think it almost seems like you're intentionally doing it to get away from the Spieth BFF thing. But like, are you are you and Ricky Fowler? Do you guys live together now? Like, do you guys bunk together? Or like, what's that? What's going on? No, nah, Rick's just a good. I mean, he's a really good buddy of mine, and I think I just hang out with him more because he lives here. Yeah, uh, we live so close to each other, and um, you know, Golden Child's got a little different schedule. He's so big time; he's got to do all his stuff. But no, nah, we we all get along really well, and. It's uh, yeah, I've become really, really good buddies with Ricky the last year, and he's been, um, he is. It's, I love, I love how he goes about his game and how, how well he he handles everything mentally, how well he handles the media, the fans. I mean, he's how he's branded himself is arguably better than anybody that's ever played golf. Um, I mean, he's he's. I would say he's probably more recognized than Jordan and. You know, Jordan obviously has all his accomplishments, but uh, it's just, it's crazy um, how well he's done and handled everything. But yeah, we've uh, we've had some pretty solid trips and some, some good chilling time, and uh, you know, we're, we're going to have some fun the rest of the year, too. So, like, do you guys eat at, like, the Woods, Jupiter, like, what, four or five times a week, or how often do we you We haven't guys... been eating there as much lately, because <laughs> we haven't really been home too often, but yeah, we were home during the off-season, or when we were home at the start of the year, yeah, we'd eat there two, three, four times a week. Back to Ricky, are we, uh, I don't know how big his influence is on you, but we're not at risk of you going out there in joggers, are we? Uh, no, I don't think okay. uh, Paul will be making joggers anytime soon. I'm pretty content with how long my swag out in the golf course. <laughs> I mean, do you, what are, what are your thoughts on the joggers? I've made it no secret, I'm not a fan of it. Like, do you, like, do yeah. you rib him on it? Like, how's that go? No, I, I don't mind him. I, I like, like, I mean, I... I like them off the course a lot more than on the course. I mean, I think they're if you get a good pair of joggers, they're pretty comfortable. They're good, but it's um, it's just different. It, but it's Ricky, you know. He's that's what he does. He's starting a new trend, and a lot of people love it. You know, a lot of people don't like it, but um, it's uh, it is what it is. It's definitely different and not something I ever saw coming. But um, I guess that's the point that we're at nowadays in, yeah. in golf is you have to make a statement in fashion. What's the most, I mean, your, your, your career's not been that long to this point, but what's the most regrettable thing you've worn? Like, you look back, it could be in your junior days even, too. Like, look back at that and like, what, what was I thinking with this? Hmm. Um, like, I don't, are yeah. you a white belt guy? Do you ever rock the white belt? I don't nah. even know this. No. No. Nah. Anti-white belt? Yeah, I'm not a white belt guy. You'll get I, I, I mean, I could wear it. Like, I don't mind it if, like, with, like, white pants and a... And uh, you know, a, a whatever shirt, but I I do not like white belts. Um, I just feel like if you can wear a white belt, I'll just throw on a brown belt and a, some brown shoes, and it'd look a lot better. You take pride in the shoe game, don't you? I do. I take a lot of pride in it. <laughs> it's noticed. It's respected, and it's a full salute for me on this side. So <laughs> thank you, thank you. 
Uh, I'm guessing that most people are going to be upset that we waited 30 minutes to start talking about SP2K16. Um, but I, I know that I've, I've been just dying to hear about this trip, uh, how it came about. But the first thing I want to ask was like, was it was it like a conscious decision you, before you guys left? Were you like, all right, we're going to Snapchat this whole thing and everybody's going to love it? Like, were you guys aware of this? No. Um because, I mean, Ricky and I both have had our Snapchat public. He's had his longer, and obviously there's a lot more people that follow it. But, no, we kind of started and, like, put a couple things out there, and we're like, should we just, like, put everything on there? <laughs> and it was like, uh, I don't know. We kind of, like, thought about it, and we're like, I mean, I feel like people would enjoy this, and I think it'd be, I don't know, it'd be fun for people that are outside. I mean, it's the same reason they follow us on Snapchat already. They want to see what we're doing you know, day to day. And it's like, this would be cool for people to get to see what we're doing on our spring break. So, um, it just kind of happened and, uh, yeah, it blew up to say the least. We weren't, we, we didn't have that intention or didn't really think that it would do that. Well, and what was entertaining to me was the fact you guys went on vacation and it was completely not serious golf, but you guys go on vacation and you still play golf. Like you love golf that much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Rick, Ricky and Smiley were playing the next week, so they were definitely playing still to, I mean, they were playing to get ready for that event as well, but we, Jordan and I were kind of, uh, we weren't probably as interested in the golf as they were. I think we, it was actually pretty funny, we played alternate shot every day, because we were like, man, we don't, like, Jordan and I were like, we don't really want to play that much, like, let's just play alternate shot, that's like one less shot we have to hit every hole, it'd be, and it'd be fun, we never, obviously never play it, and it was, uh, it actually turned out to be pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I don't know, I, I felt it was very popular, it was very, uh, there weren't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of hate on it, which is kind of surprising considering the things that we hate on a golf, but did you experience any blowback from it? Uh, no, not at all. Not at all? I, yeah. I, it was, I, mean, I was I was very shocked by the amount of, I mean, I was first off shocked that it even blew up in the first place, but I was very shocked from the amount of positive feedback, and I, I didn't really hear any negative stuff about it. To me, it like opened up a whole new world of Snapchat. Like I didn't, I'm not a big Snapchatter. I don't pay that much attention to it. And it was like, all right, this thing has huge capabilities. Are you, are yeah. you like all in on Snapchat at this point? Yeah, uh, I am. It's, it's a good. It's just another way and another kind of platform for people to see what I'm doing, to see what we're doing, and um, you know, they they like to like to see us just kind of screwing around at dinner. I like to see us, you know, messing around on a plane. I like to see us just, you know, uh, joking with each other. I don't know. It's There's something about it that other fans, kids, people like. And um, so, yeah, it's not like we're doing anything differently. We're just uh, happen to get some of it on. On the phone. I got. I do. I meant to comment. I need to comment that uh, I, I don't know how much I'm buying that Smiley and Ricky were preparing to play the next week and barefoot and shirtless out there on the on the course for the record. But I see <laughs> well, what you're going for. <laughs> well, we actually, I, I no joke spent probably an hour and a half on the range on what day was that? We left Saturday on Thursday. Probably spent like an hour to hour and a half on the range. That does make for good Snapchatting, though. So yeah, um, I didn't hit many balls. I just sat there. All right, so how long how long has it been? Uh, <laughs> I missed that. Okay, how, how long is it? I'm guessing it's always been this way. And why haven't I caught wind of it, or anyone really caught wind that how hilarious Smiley Kaufman is? Yeah, I've known Smiley for a long time. We were talking about that. We've probably known each other since we were 13 or 14. Or uh, no, before that maybe. I don't know. It's been a long time since before we could probably remember. But he's he's been. 
I would say he was maybe a little bit quiet, you know, growing up, but he's, I mean, he's, yeah, he's hysterical. We've, we've kind of created this like little friendship of the four of us and, uh, we're obviously real close and, um, yeah, I mean, he's hysterical and I, I'm, I'm glad that everybody could see the true Smiley Kaufman that, yeah. um, that we get to deal with and see week in and week out. Well, Rory, I saw Rory got the invite too. Who else missed out on this? Who else got? Did anybody else get the invite? And yeah, and, yeah, we invited Duff and he couldn't come, and we invited Big Gravy and he couldn't come. And then G Mac just shows up. Yeah, he was going to go anyway, okay. and uh, he, him and his wife were there, and they showed up. I think on Friday, and uh, yeah, and <laughs> I don't know how long they were. We left Saturday. I think they were maybe there for another couple of days. All right. Uh, do you, did you guys, you give Smiley a hard time about the Butler Cabin interview with Jim Nance? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> I think, I think it, that in itself was, was good enough. I mean, I haven't even watched the thing in its entirety, honestly, but, um, obviously heard about it. <laughs> no, we didn't, we didn't need on too much. All right. So what uh, it's, I think I read, um, I think you may have been asked this since, since SB2K, uh, but it was, it sounds like that the masters was not even like a topic of conversation with speed. Was it, was it just like naturally you didn't talk about it or was it like a conscious thing? Like we're just not going to bring it up. Was it kind of the point of the trip too? Was it just kind of take a break from all the, all the stuff that was going on? No, I mean, we've we'd had the trip planned for probably two months in advance. Okay. Um, and Smiley, he decided to go probably, I think it was actually like the week of the Masters, like the beginning of the week or maybe just the week before, he kind of decided that he was going to go. And because uh, I don't think he thought we were serious. And then we were like, no, dude, seriously, like we're going, so you <laughs> need to come. And uh, But no, we, yeah, it was just, it was never really thought of to get brought up. And obviously none of us would really bring it up, but um it was just none of us had ever had anything like that before to get together with our friends and to have a spring break to where we could just we could do whatever we wanted we could wake up we wanted we didn't have to go to the course or practice if we didn't want we could go fish if we want we could lay in bed all day if we want it didn't matter because it's like we we just had never had a week or four or five days where we could do whatever we wanted we felt like and um so it was uh it was really nice and it's just you know I think we would we would jokingly say stuff here or there. Uh, Jordan would more so say stuff like if Smiley was hitting like you know a shot at the Masters he hit that was really good or something like that. But it was never uh, never a topic of conversation. Yeah. So like if you're pl- let's say you're playing a random practice round could be with anyone. What are you like most likely to make a joke about? The answer could be none of these. I think it probably will be, but. Uh, like Jordan on twelve at Augusta, Phil about no. Phil about the Dean Foods stock price or what Tiger did at Congressional this week. What are you most likely to joke about? Probably <laughs> this is a terrible question. <laughs> I, I'm not answering this question. This is this is a lose lose you, lose situation. <laughs> a buddy of mine actually came up with that specifically. I, I, I did not think you would answer that one, but I figured it'd be worth. I it. I almost did too. You almost got me to answer it. <laughs> seriously answer that question but it seems like with speed and not to do too much speed stuff but it seems like with him that he his attitude after that happening seems relatively like kind of like yeah i mean it happened it's not the end of the world whereas the golf media seems to want to just sulk about it and and make a huge story about it when he's kind of just like i mean yeah it happened and i'm gonna move on to the next tournament yeah for sure and i think something that's so forgotten is the fact that he birdied 13 and 15 like that was 
I honestly, and I still believe it, if he makes that putt on 16, he wins the tournament. I really do think so. Um, it's just, uh, it's so it's so hard, and he just, it, I mean, it wasn't a good shot on 12, obviously. Uh, he obviously shouldn't be hitting it there. It, if he had it over, it's so many things could happen, whatever. But it's still the fact that he still had a chance to win the Masters after making, after going, I think, like, bogey, bogey, quad, and it's like, he was right there, and it's to an extent kind of like what happened to me in Malaysia. It's like he had control of the tournament. He was playing so good. He just put it behind him, made some birdies. He still had a chance. And it's a shame that uh, it has to be blown up as much as it was, but it's the masters and it's the media and it's, it is what it is, but I, I'm, I know he's going to be just fine and he's probably going to keep winning tournaments. Yeah. And then, I mean, you say birdie 13 and 15 and the shot he hit on 16 into that green mm-hmm. was, I mean, that was a moment that really was, yeah. I mean, this is, this was looking like one of the most amazing bounce backs in like, honestly, probably in sports history. And yeah. I would have bet anything that he made, he was going to make that putt. I mean, he just, yeah. he, he can't, you just can't make every single putt. Uh, and he, he did make so many putts throughout the week, but mm-hmm. Um, this was, this was your first master. I'm right in saying that, right? You didn't play as an amateur, yeah. right? Okay. First masters. Um, what you were very, going into it saying how, how great the course set up for you. Uh, mm-hmm. did you, did you, you made the cut. Did you consider the week and overall success for you? No, no, definitely not. Okay. Um, I didn't, I, I felt it was a little bit in the, um, I feel like I was maybe a little bit in the harder wave. I mean, there's always a wave that's easier than the other, and it wasn't anything substantial, but it was enough, I felt like, to where it just kind of, you know, I just, it, it, it set me back a little bit, and I didn't play very well on um, on Thursday. I played okay on Friday. I just could I could never get anything or any momentum going. It was like, I'd hit a good drive on 13, have six iron, and hit the water, make bogey. It was just some little things like that, and... I felt like I, I definitely was playing well enough or, or I knew the place well enough to, to be in contention or at least be top 10. And I, uh, I just had, and I, it was just one of those weeks where everything went wrong or I just got some bad breaks. And I mean, I had the, probably the most comical slash crazy thing I've ever seen happen on a golf course to me on a putt on seven on Saturday. And it's just like little stuff like that to where, um, it just, it just wasn't my week. Well, what happened on seven? I don't think I saw this. Yeah, it, I looked for it. I played with kids on Saturday. We were both looking for it, and we couldn't find a video of it. I um, That was the day the wind was just howling, yeah. and it was a really hard day, and I knew it was going to be a hard day, and I knew even par was going to be a great score, and it was going to move me up and have a chance for a good finish. And let's see, I was, I want to say, maybe one over, Two over through six, and I, you know, I'm playing okay, just kind of getting it around, and hit a good drive on slip. A pin was just right in the front on seven. Hit a good drive, hit a good sand wedge, just a little too deep, and had about thirty feet down the hill. But you're putting straight into the wind, mm-hmm. um, so it's one of the fastest putts in the course. That's turned into not so fast because you're putting in a twenty-five mile an hour wind. So hit the putt, kind of get a little bit of a wind gust, and it comes up about six feet short. So. And it comes up right. So I have this putt that usually would break about two cups, probably a cup and a half to two cups to the right. And it's just you got to die it down there. Again, putting into the wind. As soon as I hit this putt, the wind completely switches to down and off my right shoulder. I miss the hole by a foot and a half or two feet, and it rolls to the front right edge of the green 40 feet away. Oh, my God. <laughs> I looked at Kiz, and Kiz is laughing and, like, 
my caddy, I'm laughing. My caddy's just shaking his head. Kiz was like, that is the most screwed up thing I've ever seen on a golf course in my entire life. I've never seen anything like it. I'm sure he used the word screwed up too. Yeah, okay. yeah, he did for sure. <laughs> for anybody that knows Kiz, yeah. Did you? Uh, I, I think we're far enough away that we can. I can joke about this. Did you? Did, were you starting to think that you were going to be having a Sunday match with Jeff Knox at one point on Saturday? I did. I was jokingly saying that. Um, it's what it's. It's always funny. We joke how whenever we play, we're like, oh, you know, looking forward to seeing you during the Masters, but hope I don't play with you. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I was actually pretty close to playing with him. <laughs> um, I did. I mean, I know you've played there a bunch. Um, did you? But did you feel like you learned anything new, especially about the Masters or about the course from actually playing it in tournament conditions? Yeah, you learn something every week, and there's just holes where you can't really, really cannot hit it above the hole just because you simply can't make a bogey. You can't make a par. You're going to make a bogey or worse, and. Um, I mean, I think every every year I'm, I play, I'm going to get more and more comfortable, and I'm already really excited to go back there. I mean, that's a place like the players where you hate to say something like this, but I, you, I really feel like at some point in my career I'll have a really good chance to win that tournament a couple times. So I, I'm excited to, uh, to get back there next year. I mean, do you think there's something to the fact that basically first-timers don't really ever, ever win at the Masters? Is it really something that you think – I mean, everyone talks about – and the, you know the, the saying is that you don't read the greens at Augusta; you remember them. Like, is there is there a lot of truth to that, or is that just something contrived by the media? Yeah, there's some truth for sure. But I I felt I had a I mean a veteran caddy and Jimmy who's probably caddied there more than anywhere else, and I relied on him a lot for that. But at the end of the day, it was just like I said, I wasn't really getting the things to go for me, and I wasn't uh, just wasn't executing. It wasn't. Wasn't making the putts, just wasn't really making enough birdies or playing well enough to uh, to be in contention. Didn't really have a whole lot to do with being a first timer. It was just uh, just not playing well enough. Yeah. So have you uh, have you added any new tour sauce moves to your repertoire? Or, like, um, or what's your go to? Like, what's your? Do you have one that you're repping lately? And do you have like a go to? I've been with... club twirling nicely. Yeah, I will say. Yeah, the video you sent me that if you can pull that one off in a tournament, just the club flip. That was. Uh, <laughs> I'll catch a yeah. vine of that one. That's for that's for sure. Yeah, I um I probably won't do that one in a tournament. That's... I may get a little bit of a bashing for that. That's but fair. That's often a move for me in a good money game. That's fair. <laughs> So is that is that fully added to the repertoire now? Are you are you a hardcore club twirler? Because I mean, when Rory gets it going, man, that, that you can't beat Rory's up. He's top top three all time club twirlers. Okay, I want to hear this top. I want to hear your like. Let's see your top five club twirlers. I mean, the, I mean, Tiger in his prime is tough to beat. He's got the, the pimp step and the and the club twirl on some of his. But I mean, Rory, you want to know what it is? Actually, the number one. This, so my AJGA event that I had in Kentucky this year, I went home for it. I was there. I was on the range just kind of talking to some of the guys. Like, there's a couple kids from my high school there. I don't remember this kid's name, but I watched this kid hit balls, and he was just flushing these. I don't know what he was hitting, and he was club twirling everything on the range. And I was like, man, look at that torso. <laughs> It's everywhere. The sauce is everywhere. I'm telling it you. Is. I'm telling it you. Is. What is like? What is? What would you say is your the sauciest tour moment you've ever had? Oof. Um. Mm. That's on the spot. I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough. It's 
it's just so situational, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, I mean, I feel like I've had some pretty, pretty arrogant walking the putts in, uh, but if I, I mean, if I fly a green or my ball doesn't come down where I think it should, I'm going to make it pretty verbal or, or do some sort of action to where I want everybody to know that <laughs> the, the yardage book check have you ever pulled that one out oh I, uh, yeah I, I've been I did that a lot at the beginning of this year because my ball wasn't coming down right like, what is going on here and throw me I'll throw the wind up I'll look looking up at the trees is, is a very used one for me um, oh I love it I love it yeah uh, a bunch of that what is um, would you say is the Olympics on your radar for the current year I would say it's on mine, but I don't think I'm really on it. It's, it's yeah. Sense. yeah, no, it does. But I mean, I, I, I'm just trying to get the general idea of there seems to be a lot of apathy towards the Olympics, whether it's the virus, whether it's the uh, the you know the cram schedule in the current year. Um, what? Well, okay, this is like a Tom Rinaldi question, but like, what would it mean to you to play in the Olympics? So is that does that does that resonate with you? I mean, people have not grown up with the Olympics, so I just don't know how much guys like you desire to play in it. I think I don't think I have a firm enough grasp on on it yet. I, I think it's partially because, um, partially because I I've never never seen one played for golf. I've uh, I've never really been eligible for one. Um, like now that these last couple of years that I've been eligible for a President's Cup and Ryder Cup, it's like it's such a big deal. When like yeah, it was a big deal in the past when I was in college and high school, but it's not near as big of a deal as it is now. When I have a very realistic chance of playing for this team, and I think maybe in following years, when uh, not saying I can't make the team this year, but I, I would need you know some pretty special things to happen. Which I, I believe can, but it's um, you know percentages. I would say were, are not on my side, which yeah. it is what it is. But I think I don't know if that has something to do with it. But um, it, it would just be it would be a huge deal. But um, I think the fact that I'm not as as close as uh, to qualifying has something to do with it. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, I feel like um, a, f- a couple more dominoes could fall as far as people dropping out before it's like a mass exodus. So let's say yeah. you let's say you run into a, you win the memorial or something like that, and you're eighth in the you know in the standings, and four guys drop out. Like it it, can, it absolutely can happen. I'm mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I, I just I, I I feel like um, I don't know. I, I feel like when the event starts. There's a lot of reasons why people would want to skip, I think. Uh, the virus, especially if you're married, if you want to start a family, like the virus is a very real thing. Like the Harvard, uh, I don't know, the Harvard Health Organization or whatever wrote a very scathing article saying that the event should be canceled, etc. I do understand that, but I feel like for the guys that are just skipping because of their lack of interest in it, um, when those opening ceremonies start and when they're giving out medals, just the fact this is like the this is I'm not a big fan of like needing to grow the game or golf becoming a world phenomenon, but you're literally performing in front of the entire world. Like people tune into the Olympics just to watch archery or anything. Like this is this is the biggest stage golf will ever be on. I just think I think that's a big deal, and I, I mean I'm not that excited to watch it, but yeah. I'm just kind of surprised by the this the apparent apathy on tour towards it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's different, and I think I totally agree that I mean it would just be it'd be probably uncomparable to be able to have a gold medal and to to be at that opening ceremony is. 
it's one of those things, like you said, once you're there, once you're experiencing it, it's, uh, it'll, I think it would get the attention of, of guys that said no more than they think they would. And, yeah. um, I would, I would be honored to, you know, to have that opportunity to, to go. I just, you know, obviously I got, got a lot to, to t- take care of before that. All right. If I, if I have $20, I have to place a bet on you one tournament the rest of the year to win. Which tournament am I betting on you? Just pick one of the ones I'm playing in the rest of the year. <laughs> Anyone. You have the same amount of yep. chance to win any of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I'm going to pick the memorial, and when you win that, we will go celebrate. You're still buying, even though I'm just going to make a bunch of money off of it. You're still buying. Well, it sounds like, yeah, I was going to say, you're the one that just put 20 bucks on it. Well, so. after I think it was before you even won Malaysia. I do have a FedEx Cup uh, bet on you at 60 to 1. I'm just saying. Really? Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm nervous now. If you don't win, you're gonna have to refund that ten bucks to me. Is that a deal? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I gotta make ends meet over here, man. I'm balling on a budget. All right. Uh, that's a pretty. That's a pretty solid bet for you. It's like, oh, by the way, if I don't win, I'm gonna need that back. It's only fair, right? That's only fair. It's it, it would huh. be your fault if you don't win the FedEx Cup, right? So it's only fair. Okay. So. I guess so. <laughs> All right, man. I've taken up enough of your time. Appreciate you coming back. Uh, by the time we do this next year, you'll hopefully be a. Ama- I, I I said that. Okay, this is how I signed off last year. I said you'll be a PGA Tour winner by the time next time we talk. So I'll say you'll be a major champion by the time we talk next year. Can you year. throw multi before that? Multi major champion by there the time by the time we I mean, talk. If we're, gonna, if we're gonna go ahead and do it, let's just go ahead and do it big then. Let's go for it. No laying up. So, <laughs> all right, man. Best of luck. Uh, I'll see you in a couple weeks at the memorial. That's good, brother. Appreciate it. Take it easy, man. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything.